gospel passage today is the text of the Lord's Prayer from the Gospel of Matthew from the lectionary Year W, a women's lectionary for the whole church, which we are using this year. And the version you have is a translation of the Lord's Prayer from the original by Wilda Gaffney, an Episcopal priest who created the women's lectionary. When I found out that this was the reading, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I wonder when else that gets used. Because in worship, we normally, the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord's Prayer of Matthew is the one most commonly used in our worship. And uh, so there are all these cross-referencing you can do to find out when it would have been read in, in other lectionaries. So in the, we normally use what's called the Revised Common Lectionary. And I looked it up, and the Gospel of Matthew section that includes the Lord's Prayer is never used in the lectionary, even though we say it every Sunday. I've been ordained 26 years, and this was a total revelation to me to figure this out, which means I've never actually preached on this passage, even though we use the Lord's Prayer all the time. The Lord's Prayer is called that because it is the prayer that Jesus taught us. And it is, of course, the most universally used prayers, prayer by Christians across denominations, right? Almost any Christian will know some version of the Lord's Prayer. And if I asked you, what is a prayer that you know by heart, chances are pretty good that the Lord's Prayer is going to be one of your answers, right? A prayer that you know by heart. And I don't mean by memory, but by heart. And for people who have used the Lord's Prayer their entire lives, it is deeply embedded in their soul. I have been at the bedside of people who were dying doing the Sacrament of Last Rites people who are dying and largely unresponsive. And when we get to the part of the service where we say the Lord's Prayer, their lips start moving. I've done pastoral visits with people with advanced dementia or Alzheimer's, and they may not be quite sure who I am, but when we start saying the Lord's Prayer, they know the words, and they play, pray right along. It is in their soul. Now, at St. John's, we, we try to take inclusive language seriously and be more expansive in the language we use for God. But one thing we've never changed that I haven't wanted to change, for better or worse, you can tell me which, is that we've always used the traditional language for the Lord's Prayer. In part because... It is the wording that most people know, that you've been using through time. And it is also the language that gets used across the sacraments of the church. So if I come to your house to bring you communion because you're sick, or you're on your deathbed, the one that you're used to saying in church is the one that we're going to pray together. At a baptism, at a wedding, at a funeral, we're going to use that same version of the Lord's Prayer. 
But the language can be tricky for some people, right? Like, our Father. A lot of people actually call it our Father. I don't like using that. I'd rather call it the Lord's Prayer. Because Father language can trip people up. It can, there can be baggage attached to that, to calling God Father in a male-exclusive way. So it's, it's good to explore language for God, which is part of why we're using your W. The other thing I noticed, because I, I use the Lord's Prayer a lot, especially when I'm not sure what else to do, I'd say the Lord's Prayer, um, and I think, well, it's the only prayer Jesus taught us, so can't be too wrong. But when you say it all the time, you can start saying it by rote and not by heart, right? Like you're saying the words, but what they mean is not necessarily registering, right? You're saying the words, but are you living into those words? So it can be a real advantage spiritually to look at different ways that these words get expressed, that this prayer is expressed. So we can enter in more fully to the one prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So hopefully you all have a bulletin with an insert in it that has four versions of the Lord's Prayer. Apologies if you're online. I didn't get this together quick enough to include it in the online version. Reach out to me and I will send it to you. But you get to hear them all right now. So we're going to do some praying, okay? So we're going to start with the version of the Lord's Prayer that we pray here in church every Sunday. If you don't have the insert, someone near you should, or the ushers might in the back. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The second one is Wilda Gaffney's translation, which is the gospel that Skip read that we just heard. Let's pray that together. Our parent and provider in heaven, holy is your name. May your majestic rule come. May your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from that which is evil. The next one on the other side that begins with our mother is a reimagining of the Lord's Prayer by a woman priest for a liturgy she created called the Beyonce Mass that uses lyrics from Beyonce's songs in the liturgy and in the singing. And this is the reimagining of it. And this is the version we're going to use when we do the Eucharist today. We're going to depart from our usual practice 
and use this version during the Eucharist today, but let's pray it together now. Our Mother, who is in heaven and within us, we call upon your names. Your wisdom come, your will be done in all the spaces in which you dwell. Give us each day sustenance and perseverance. Remind us of our limits as we give grace to the limits of others. Separate us from the temptation of empire and deliver us into community. For you are the dwelling place within us, the empowerment around us, and the celebration among us, now and forever. Amen. The final one is a, a reimagining of the Lord's Prayer that is used as an alternative in the New Zealand prayer book for the Anglican Church in New Zealand, which is kind of the Episcopal Church in New Zealand. So normally they use the same one we do, but their prayer book has an alternative version, and this is it. Let's pray it together. Eternal Spirit, Earth Maker, Pain Bearer, Life Giver, Source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, Loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echo through the universe, the way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trial too great to endure, Spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. I wonder which of those four is your favorite. Which one resonates with you the most? I wonder if there are particular lines from any of them that really struck you, that really like resonated with you. If you look at the four of them, you will see a sort of universal structure to the Lord's Prayer. They all begin with some form of address to God and a blessing of God's name. and then are followed by a series of petitions. And one thing to note about all of these is that the language of the Lord's Prayer is always plural. It's always our or us, never I. We don't hear this in the Gospel, but Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites praying on the street corner. Go into your private room and pray this way. So he's actually telling them to go pray privately, but the prayer's not private. The prayer is communal. It's always our or us. And there are always shared petitions that God's kingdom, that God's beloved community, 
be made manifest on earth. That God's will will be done in the world. And then always some series of the, or variations of these three petitions about give us our daily bread or our daily sustenance. And it's evoking the Israelites in the wilderness when every day God would give them manna from heaven to gather and eat. And it would only last the day, but it was enough to sustain them for that day. So we're asking God, feed us with the food we need for today. Not for the next year, not for the apocalypse. Today. Give us what we need for today. And then something always about forgiveness. Forgiveness is central. And note that the asking for God's forgiveness is always connected with our forgiving. It comes later in the passage that we heard today, but <clears throat> after Jesus teaches the prayer, he says to the disciples, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. So God forgiving us is directly tied to our also forgiving others as we seek God's forgiveness for ourselves. And then some petition that God help uh, deliver us from times of trial or evil. A lot of the reasons people use different translations, but the, the language that we use of lead us not into temptation can be troubling because it's like that like God intentionally leads us into temptation, like gotcha. <laughs> like, is that really how God works? Or is the message really that we're asking for God's strength? as we face the temptations and the things that pull us away from the will of God, right? To me, part of the point of the prayer is in asking for God's beloved community, for, for heaven on earth. God doesn't just magically make that happen. It only happens with us. We are part of that project, part of that process, co-creators with God. So we are asking that we be delivered from the things that draw us away from doing God's will so that God's will can be done. And then over the history of the church, the Lord's Prayer has added what's called a doxology. Matthew's straight translation doesn't have it, but that's the wording at the end of them about, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, or, you know, some form of praise of God. That is the structure of the Lord's Prayer. And in many ways, what the Lord's Prayer does is mapping out the Christian life. Like if you only had one prayer, one prayer for your whole life, let it be this, because that's what Jesus taught us to pray. So where am I going with this? <clears throat> I want to invite all of you to write your own version of the Lord's Prayer. Either individually or with your family. You can take the insert with the four different versions on it. Maybe uh, to help spark some ideas or as a reference. 
and write your own version of the Lord's Prayer that makes the prayer your own. That doesn't mean that you have to stop using the ones we use in church or whatever, but it's a way to play and explore and make it yours. So that it, it's a Lord's Prayer that comes from the language of your heart. Which means it doesn't have to sound like it came out of a prayer book. Right? Prayer is speaking to God. What would be your most authentic voice praying the Lord's Prayer to God? So I hope you'll spend some time this week trying to craft your own version of the Lord's Prayer. Someone at the 9 o'clock who's an artist was kind of struggling with it, and I said, well, you're a painter. Maybe you could paint it instead. If that's a better way for you. Spend some time with these this week. Write your own Lord's Prayer. And if you're willing to share... I would love to see how you would pray the Lord's Prayer. Amen.